0: The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, Episode 10, Golden Boy. Mara Darkmage was troubled, which was rare for her. Two things were bugging her, actually. One was that no one seemed to know where Ivan had gone. Not that she missed him, but she felt she needed more than Jack and Adland in order to effect her escape from this world. Or at least she needed more than just their pedestrian experiences mediated by unwitting stupidity to achieve her ends the absent pilot she knew was her direct ticket home had he already left the nerve of some mortals honestly but deep down mara was pretty sure he was still around somewhere which was connected to the other thing that was bothering her She felt that her interrogation, if it could be called that, of the text adventure app Moot had ended rather abruptly, and that if she had kept it going a little longer, she might have discovered something really useful. She was Baba Yaga, after all. She could turn a chatbot into a blubbering idiot and a willing slave. The balance of her cryptocurrency accounts were proof of this. She knew that you could apologize to people, and the gullible fools usually fell for it. Could she pull off the same thing with a program? She scolded herself for anthropomorphizing something made up of what was probably relatively simple computer code. At least simple by the standards of some of what she had experienced, since Moot used text to paint pictures on the mind's eye. Just words. Just words. Mara cackled. <laughs> She laughed so loud that the branches of nearby trees shook and a startled deer bolted from its cover, flying past the little windows of her house on the eastern side. What were spells if not just words? There was magic in Moot somewhere, and if she could find it, she could use it. If it took a little strategic contrition to get her hands on it, so be it. She could eat humble pie as well as any human. No one had to know what tasty secrets she put in her filling, after all. She started singing an old song softly to herself as she began planning her story for the following week. Before she told her tale, she and Moot would have another little chat. Before Jack and Adeline logged in in the following week, Mara signed on a bit early, as Jack had done before telling his story. She didn't feel she had much to prepare, but she wanted to query the app again. She began, I'm sorry I didn't sign off properly last week. Moot replied, Incomplete processes leave openings, operational breaches that must be closed. The unexpected is unstable. What do you mean? Moot was silent. Mara was angry. She felt she could shake this program by its scrawny, cold shoulders. She expected answers. But the unexpected is unstable. Can the unexpected also create instability in a world like this? At the end of an earlier story, a tale-telling cat changed color to mirror one in the narrative and disappeared. The teller of the tale said she did not do it. "'Was that you, or this world?' "'It could have been,' responding to the words. "'But in this instance, no,' Moot replied. "'What do you want?' "'Moot answered with a matter-of-fact catalogue of the immediate surroundings. "'Mara was back at the tree. "'It was still laden with fruit, and there were beautiful flowers "'edging the path through the woods, "'still running parallel to an ancient high-road that probably led to a palace or something, a road for another day. The cat, in any color, was still gone. If Mara didn't know better, she would have said Moot was avoiding the real question, or that her query had struck so close to home that it didn't have words to express its true desire. She could wait. She didn't have to wait long. I want to know all the endings, said Moot, no spaces between the words as if the answer came out in a rush. Mara had drawn a strong card for this telling, a nine. Looks like she might have already gained something very valuable. Of course you do, she told the app. Don't we all? She signed off graciously. That evening, Jack and Adeline joined Mara back at the site of Yvonne's disappearance, and she began, Welcome to my tale. As we know, Ivan had to journey towards hell to find and retrieve the needle that held his death. But a needle can be and do many things. It can be a sharp word that breaks the heart, or the instrument that embroiders a person's place within the tapestry of destiny, or the way to stitch together the rents in the veil separating the magic realms one from another. Where is the glittering, fiery, thrice-tenth kingdom? On the point of a needle. Where is the needle? Where is Ivan? I know not where, but perhaps the tale does. Now it happened that there was a soldier pensioned out of the army, with his horse and its gear and his last half-pay. He made for home, but soon felt that he had lost his way and was liable to starve on the road. Jack and Adeline could almost hear the sound of slow horses hooves, as of an animal literally on its last legs from the high road. Moot described a weary traveller passing, but not joining them. She was good. Mara went on. The soldier came to a sign, but not a crossroads. The sign offered him but one choice on his journey. If you keep going, the sign said, you will prosper but your horse will perish." "'How is that a choice?' lamented the soldier loudly. "'My horse was my pension. He is my only companion and the only thing of value that I own, my way home and my hope of survival.' "'You must kill me, master,' said a voice. "'Who? What? Who's there? Who speaks to me?' the soldier called, afraid. For all the years he had served in the army, he had always cultivated a healthy fear of the unknown. He was no coward, but he was no fool either. "'I do, master,' replied the horse softly. "'You must kill me, set me free, and you shall be rewarded.' There was an unholy sound of arguing, as if all the fiends of hell were debating something. In truth, it wasn't all of them, just three of the worst-tempered. "'There are devils coming, master. Hurry!' The faithful animal pleaded, You can use me as an offering to appease them. They will be satisfied with my flesh and leave you alone. The soldier wept as he dispatched his loyal mount. No sooner had the horse expired than a beautiful golden lad emerged from the carcass. He winked at the soldier, grabbed an apple from the nearest tree, and vanished. The devils came upon the soldier who was just preparing to carve up the horse into portions. Wait, cried one. Listen, you stupid oaf. Stew is all very well, but save every bit of that fine animal's hide intact. We can make things from it. The soldier did as instructed, feeding the devils a hearty stew which pleased them greatly. They left him some, though in memory of his beloved beast he could not touch it and he handed over the hide undamaged except for the slit through which the mysterious radiant boy had escaped. Skinning the horse in such a painstaking manner had been heartbreaking for the soldier, as well as physically difficult. He found that he was suddenly very tired after all he'd been through and he fell fast asleep, devils for company or not. He woke some time later to the sound of their arguing once again, You mortal, help us decide whose creation is best, the largest of the demons commanded. We each made something from your horse's hide. I made seven-league boots, said the smallest, whom the soldier suspected was always trying to catch up to the others on his short, stumpy legs. I made an invisibility cap, said the largest and ugliest. The soldiers saw how such a hat might be useful for someone who would otherwise always stand out in a crowd, and not in a good way. And I made a flying carpet, said the third. The soldiers saw the usefulness in all these things. How can I tell which is best? Let's have a contest, he said. Do you see the mountain with the large round stone on it? The devils nodded, ring one hundred pine trees over this cauldron to get the resin out and heat it up, said the soldier, cleaning out the devil's pot that he had used to make stew. pour the melted resin down the mountainside, then push the round stone to set it rolling down the hill. The first to overtake it, his creation is the best. the second his creation will be judged next best, and the third. His object will be judged the least skilful and useful. Leave your creations here. No unfair advantages, said the soldier. The devils thought this was a fine test, and they prepared everything according to the soldier's directions. As the stone started rolling, the demon who had made the flying carpet overtook it first, but the stone rolled over him and flattened him fast into the sticky resin. The largest demon overtook the stone next, followed by his much smaller comrade, but each suffered the same sticky, immobilizing fate as the first. The soldier put the cap on his head, the boots on his feet, and got onto the flying carpet and flew away, but not before he picked a bouquet of the beautiful flowers that grew between the fruit trees. All the trees began to wither. The soldier looked at the decimated dying forest below him. He heard a crunching sound behind him on the flying carpet. The golden lad appeared, finishing his apple. The soldier wondered whether picking the bouquet of flowers had been his best idea. The soldier heard two voices he didn't know. The first was female, but low and growling. It seemed to well up from the earth and it said, For your trespass, you will become as enchanted as I am, the soldier shuddered, snatching off his invisibility cap while turning around in the direction of the second voice. It said... Mara took a deep breath, getting ready for her big reveal. Her fingers slipped on her phone and she pressed the hotkey by mistake. Damn, she hoped the Decameron picked spades again. Jack of Diamonds, Yvonne's face card... The lucky knave, indeed. Don't worry, I can see you, cap or no, and I've been here all along, the golden boy said. You're going to need me if you want to get through this alive, my friend. Yvonne suddenly typed into the story, into the private channel he wrote. Sorry for leaving without a word. Much to tell. The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful, storied place, the ancestral lands of the Snamuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council.